Welcome back, everyone. This is Let's Talk About Star Wars. I'm Garrett, here as always, with Tom and Jenny. Hi! Also, hello! Let's talk about it. I'm so stoked that I've actually been able to make the weekly recordings work, because, y'all, I am... I'm so into the Mandalorian. I'm so into it. I'm so into it. I have. I keep having to remind myself that the Rise of Skywalker is like weeks away, even though yeah. I I don't even acknowledge what you're saying out loud. Nine? No, wait. Eleven days away. It's it's not. Yeah, dang man. Because <laughs> of those. Because you can see it Thursday evening, basically. So. Correct. Yeah, because technically like, the 20th and 19th. Minor, minor, small side rant. Like, why don't we just say it premieres on the 19th instead of the 20th when they're putting it out? Like, you could see it at 6 o'clock on the what, 19th. I, I don't quite understand. I wonder if there's some kind of weird thing where it's like, well, if you can't see it like in the a.m. on that date, you're not allowed to state. That then it's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't weird. know. I don't know. But all I know is I've got 7 p.m. tickets. So let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, uh, my re- uh, quick note on my rewatch of all the Star Wars movies. I watched Force Awakens over the weekend, and I think this is the longest amount of time I've gone in between viewings since it hit physical media. And uh, I still love that movie deeply. That is, It is such a fun Star Wars film. My God. Like, going from Return of the Jedi to that, it's just, oh, I'm going to cram the two most fun Star Wars movies back to back. And it just happens to also be in order of the, the, the universe's timeline. I have put Force Awakens into my rotation of movies that I'll just put on when I'm doing stuff. So a lot of a lot of holiday chores going on these days. And uh, I put on Force Awakens earlier and it picked me up in the middle because I guess I had left off. I'm like, yeah, just resume wherever I was. And it doesn't matter wherever I jump into that movie. I'm always enjoying it. So this time it was from the Rathtars through landing at Maz's uh, place. It was just fantastic. What a, what a fantastic section of a fantastic movie. It's so good. It's so freaking good. And just really hammers home how much better Kylo Ren's costume is in Force Awakens compared to Last Jedi, where he's a pillow man. <laughs> you know, uh, I, so many jokes about Adam Driver and pillows and other movies he's made. <laughs> I've deconstructed it there. Assemble it yourself, audience. I don't know how in Last Jedi. Snap Wexley while you're at it. Why not? <laughs> I don't know how in Last Jedi, a film where Adam Driver is shirtless, anyone looked at him and went, we should make him look thicker. That's what we should do. That's what because you know what Adam Driver's really lacking is uh is manly bulk. That's what he's missing. That's what he's missing. Let's let's hit him with some some padding. But anyways, we are here to talk about chapter five of the Mandalorian, titled The Gunslinger, which is also directed by Dave Filoni, which I didn't realize until I sat down to write these notes. I missed the credit while watching the show, and I was like, Oh well, hot damn, I got to watch Mr. Filoni direct some live action Star Wars. I want to go right. Uh, actually, Jenny, I should I should ask you first. How much about the Gunslinger mm-hmm. by Stephen King do we want to bring up in relation to the Gunslinger, the episode or chapter of the Mandalorian? I mean, there was a man in a desert, and he was walking. We got a man in black at the end too. At the end, <laughs> no. or actually, we got a person in black. We don't know if yeah. it's a man in black or not. But a guy my, wearing mannish boots. Yeah, I think my. Uh, <laughs> 
My knowledge of the Dark Tower is extremely lacking, and even I was thinking after— We'll, take, we'll fill in for you, Gary. Well, It'll no, be fine. I know enough that while I was watching this, I'm like, oh, this is kind of Dark Tower. Like, so much so that after the fact, and all the articles came out—by the way, I feel like everyone who writes articles about The Mandalorian just got together and decided they were all going to be grumpy about this one because they can't stand having anything they've seen before brought up again in Star Wars. And I don't get it because I was going through this going— little on the nose with the Dark Tower references, where everyone else is like, little on the nose with the Tatooine stuff. Hmm. I, I just felt like the Tatooine stuff was handled well, for the most part, uh, with a couple of exceptions that clunked for me. Jenny, what about you? Um, You know, I liked how they did it, but they w- w- the line that they drew I thought was appropriate, which is, it's left to the audience to follow their trails but they're not saying here we are in the place where people discovered luke skywalker we've we've just driven our uh, little motorcycle thingies our little what do you call them speeders uh past a burnt out moisture vapor farm like they didn't go as far as would have upset me which is like a nostalgia tour this is just like a planet that changed over time after someone from that planet changed the galaxy, I guess. So they, I thought they kept it appropriate. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I thought it was, hey, Tatooine exists in this universe. What's egregious is all those things that Jenny just said, where you're like, isn't this where Luke Skywalker grew up? Yeah, it is. Okay. Which has nothing to do with the plot. This was the Mandalorian, and they told enough stories now for us to know, okay, this story would be the same on any planet. He just happens to be on Tatooine. And that's kind of cool to say like, yeah, Tatooine doesn't have to be significant. It can just be a place. In fact, it's supposed to just be a place on the outer rim. That's kind of as far away from the center of events as possible. And that's what it is in this chapter is just an outer rim planet with not much going on. Uh, If anything, my, um, my nitpick is I think there was not enough going on. Like I was, I, I felt like they just ran out of budget for in extras story, in Moss Eisley. No, no, Moss Eisley just seemed no, like. Oh, I see. An that's empty funny. I took lot. it as this this planet uh, after the fall of the Empire has lost what little activity it had. They they killed all the stormtroopers, right? So there's no more local garrison. We saw their heads on pikes, yeah. and uh, and traffic has slowed to a minimum to the point that the long-standing ban against droids had to be lifted because they couldn't <laughs> find people to tend bar. Like that was the headcanon I created. Was like, oh my god, this is mm-hmm. so cool. Like Boss Eisley has fallen on hard times. It's it's not even a a bustling uh, smugglers port anymore. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I got kind of grumpy. I'm like, I figured there would have been some grabs well, for a, power with Java dead. And, and it's just kind of like, will, nope, everyone left. But that's why. No, but that's why is there's a power vacuum. Yeah. You know, the big uh, the big man on the planet uh, is no more. Java so, and the Empire brought in the business. Yeah. So is, is this like, I don't know, like like the American like furniture industry, like when, when outsourcing the China took over, there's like, well, get out of the Carolinas. Sorry. It's just a ghost town. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's more like uh, an, an, like uh, Midway Island uh, in, in World War II was bustling when there was a war on, right? Uh, and imagine if there was a gangster operating on Midway Island too. Uh, but as soon as the war's over, there's nothing there. If you, you And there's nothing on Midway Island anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Although no, I will say one thing I will say is uh, it always makes me laugh uh, when they're like, let's find yet another sparsely uh, populated yet also still uh, M class planet to borrow from Star Trek uh, where like a hundred people live because really that's sort of the production budget. Like <laughs> it, it actually, I will say it, it causes me to reflect uh, if not fondly, then respectfully on the prequels, because they had the budget to take you to the places where a lot of people lived. Totally. And that, if you really think about it at the galactic scale, ain't easy. So anyway, that was my minor thought, which is like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, there's probably a lot more major thoughts to have about this episode, uh, starting with um, Baby Yoda's babysitter. <laughs> she She was the deliverer of the two clunky lines for mm -hmm. me. Uh, and the, the biggest one being like, I don't know, take him to Beggar's Canyon. That one felt like you were rubbing it in my face. Like you could have just said, I don't know, take him as far from town as possible. Would have worked fine. Putting Beggar's Canyon there was was a little bit putting a sign flag on it or putting a signpost on it or hanging a flag on it. That's what I was after. Um, but I liked the story and I actually really laughed out loud at the line when she was like, I'm going to take care of you and then I'm going to charge him for it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's great. Oh, I yeah, I, I really liked uh, Amy Sedaris's character, I guess, Peli Moto, the character's name. It wasn't said enough in the in the episode for me to remember how they pronounce it in the show, <laughs> but uh, I've got it written down here. Um uh, like from the get go, when she shows up, first of all, all you need to show me is pit droids and I'm happy because I have a weird uh, uh, love for pod racing. It's one of the things from the prequels I really enjoy. Uh, so I was happy to see pit droids. Um, and I. I don't know. Droids are the whole like casual racism towards droids is landing is funny for me <laughs> with the Mandalorian. I, I'd like to know why, I guess, uh, because he seems pretty awake uh, in other regards. Uh, right? Droids like killed his entire family in the flashback. Oh, that I didn't get. I didn't get that they were droids. Oh, yeah. And the, the second oh, time we okay. see his flashback in episode three, oh, it is straight up droids. Clone Wars definitely era. droids. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't put it together. I just thought it was those kinds of droids. But you're right. He probably just said, thinks droids killed my family. Huh. Yeah. Probably okay. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, that makes it, sense. It, it, like if he was a... I would imagine if it was like a post order 66 Jedi having an issue with clone troopers, just like, Oh, yeah, I don't sure. trust you. I don't care if you say you're all right. Um, but, uh, yeah. So just, I love pet droids so very much, but, but the character, Amy Sedaris, character, um, like at the get go, just as this kind of fast talking shit mechanic, like, I don't know, it's an archetype I really enjoy. And, and I thought Amy Sedaris did a really good job with the character. Um, not that I don't, not that I don't agree with you, Tom, on the the final like her final line, but it did. It wasn't, yeah, it. it wasn't her performance of it. It was just the usage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt that felt a little uh, Lucasy prequel, like on the nose. Um, but you yeah, know, what, the, it's a similar vibe to Tig Notaro in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, a very similar. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, type. Just the kind of the the wise talking uh, takes no guff mechanic, but still has a heart of gold. With a heart of gold, of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that was a recognizable thing. I mean, look, that that's a recognizable trope anyway. But um, uh, the thing I really did like was the very simplicity of this story, which does harken back to the gunslinger, which is uh, 
the person in black fled across the desert. The gunslinger followed on a speeder with a buddy, <laughs> like an, uh, an idealistic kid. Like to me, that was like uh, it didn't overlay too much. Like I wasn't like constantly, ah! but I, I got it. I got the snap and I, I appreciated it. Yeah. If anything, I was very sad to see uh, Fennec Shand die so soon because Ming-Na Wen, come on, we need more Ming-Na Wen. They uh, are ruthlessly the one showing off. up at the end implied that maybe we're not done with Fennec Shand. I don't know. Yeah. Probably are, but who knows? I mean, she yeah. took a blaster bolt to the gut. Certainly seemed like she was dead, but we've seen people cut in half and continue to survive. So. Or she's a clone. Or she's a clone. Maybe. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, because like I'm just if you make your Star Wars character look cool, I'm interested. And 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 the character of Fennec Shan had one of the coolest freaking costumes we've seen so far. And uh, I'm also an absolute sucker for a, like hiding from a sniper and just being stuck because you know you can't even stick your head out. I love that. I love that in war films and I love that we got that uh, the Star Wars version of that out on the dunes in this episode. Um, so I was, I was very into this character with what very little we had to work with because it was, uh, it was just a couple different archetypes that I really enjoy kind of crammed into one. And, uh, yeah, it, and it was just seems like she's done. It was just a, a very, like you said, Jenny, it was a very simple, but a compelling story. You know, it's, it's, it's a sniper story and it was about strategy and sneaking up and tactics. And, uh, I, I was captivated with it. I, and, and no matter what you think of the fact that it's set on Tatooine or not, once you're out in the dune sea, all of that shouldn't matter. It's a great story. Yeah. And also, I don't want to skip over the fact that they that this episode uh, in a way that a bunch of these episodes have this episode completely recentered uh, the the Tuscan Raiders as oh, yeah. indigenous to Tatooine and therefore worthy of respect uh, in like a sentence, which really was I thought that was like probably one of the more radical things that I've seen them do in this show so far. There's I had a whole little thought process in my head when that showed up, because, again, that was a that was a direct that was the most direct allusion to the original movies when they're looking at the the Banthas and then the two uh, Tuscan Raiders pop up out of nowhere. Right. Yep. That's that's note for note, but finished entirely different, whereas Obi-Wan Kenobi, questionable member of the most corrupt Jedi Council in the history of the Republic, immediately just fought with them. Uh, Mandalorian was like, oh, no, no, they just want to negotiate. You know, uh, they, they, they think this is their planet because they were here first. So, you know, we just let's let's respect that. And I've learned I've taken the trouble to learn their sign language and we won't have any more trouble with them once we give them your binox. I loved that. I love that that uh, contrast. Yeah. Um, you know, and also uh, Anakin Skywalker, who was, you know, just a mass slaughterer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I it, that I thought was really great. That was an idea of developing a world further rather than just yes. making a reference alphabet soup. And, well, and that's what made it different. To me, it's what I really like about star wars is like in like the og trilogy they they infer so much deeper story with very little like they just kind of hint at there's uh, there's a way deeper thread here and we're moving on and that's exactly what this scene was uh with the mandalorian kind of explaining that hey there are the natives everyone else here is kind of uh encroaching on their ter territory 
I prefer to call them Tuscan Tatooinians. Rather, the Raiders mm-hmm. is even a little bit of a... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, we talked a little bit about the encounter with Fennec already, but I mean, after the Tuscan Raiders, that's pretty much right where we go to, except for like a really short encounter with the Dewback, which makes me excited just because I love freaking Dewbacks. And all I really wanted to see uh, in the Mandalorian was him riding a giant lizard. And uh, that's exactly what I got in this episode. Hey, so. you got it. Huzzah. Okay, maybe you can help me out. We haven't actually talked about Toro Calican, Jake Cannavale's uh, character, who who is sitting in Han's spot in the cantina, which I appreciated. That, that was uh, the one too far for me. That's why I was oh, like, really? we have you sat see- literally anywhere else in the cantina because... No, that's the, play, that's the place where his type of person sits. It's the booth right by the entrance. It's a smart place. Like, why... he? It would be weirder if no one was sitting there. Like, that's <laughs> perfect. It's, it, to me... That was like, you're not acknowledging it. You're not, there's not like a blaster mark in the wall to, you know, with a memorial plaque around it. Like he's just, <laughs> people can sit in any booth they want. Of course he's going to sit in that booth. And I like that as more of a subtle uh, hint to that myself. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. It didn't bother anyway. me. Gotcha. Anyway, bother uh, him at the end with Fennec, I was, I, I, Eileen and I were both like, oh, see, he shouldn't have trusted her. What an idiot. This guy's a dummy. And then he shot her in the gut and we're like, oh, okay. Guess he's not so much of a dummy after all. Uh, so I, I liked that twist. Did he take both speeder bikes somehow? No, one got blowed up. He blowed up one. Okay. Well, he didn't. Uh, yeah, in the original shootout, Fennec blew one up as they were both charging her as they were charging in right yeah the one the mandalorian was on went down uh and toro ended up getting his superior bike to her successfully gotcha okay so that i thought they just couldn't bring her back on the speeder bike because she was too (laughs) it was too heavy to have two people on it that this makes way more sense and i i totally missed that that's my own fault oh gotcha yeah it was a little visually distracting because we had so much of the kind of her heat vision um, mm-hmm. A lot of the a decent amount of the well, action. I also thought I saw that. both speeder bikes parked there after they had captured her. Uh, maybe the wreckage or something. I don't know. But well, yeah, but I don't, that's I don't what, remember exactly. That's, but yeah, we were definitely down to one speeder bike. So then everything from that, you know, from the point of him shooting her, I mean, he's probably able to hand in her body and still get partial credit. No, I think <laughs> they they said in the very beginning that, or as in, when the Mandalorian left, he said it was kind of a of a. Boba Fett callback. He said he's uh, she's no good to me dead. So I think it was a a live only bounty. Oh, that's too bad. All right. That then that's a little bit of a weirder situation to kill her in order to go after the Mandalorian and get him. Because couldn't you just keep her alive and then cash in both? That guy didn't seem like the brightest bulb. No, no. If if you want to bring in a like a Han Solo quote, this kid was like the the poster child for delusions of grandeur. Yeah, mm-hmm. he has. A, he also had like a little bit of a, and I'm going to throw this reference out there because I finally made myself watch the series. A little bit of a Kaz vibe, a little bit of a oh, uh, he was, entitled. Kaz Andor. Hmm. Yes, I think well, we. I watched this with our our Star Wars group, and we all agreed that he might be the only person in Star Wars stupider than Kaz that we've seen. So yeah, far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kaz from Resistance, who I, oh Kazuo, oh Kazuo, yeah, yeah, like a grown up Kaz with no morals. Yeah, but like also, um, 
Yeah, I did think it was interesting that it was like uh, you can sometimes tell when they I feel like when they decide on themes and references that should be peppered throughout Star Wars content, like all of a sudden everything's about Womp Rats. Right. And then that was the other line, the Womp Rat line. Yeah. But then there are like but I've seen Womp Rat references like aggressively in a bunch of different Star Wars content lately, like as a saying, as if they're trying to like like uh re re recon that saying. And then also like the, as the sense of like the entitled youngster is something that seems to be creeping in as like a theme across several properties. Uh, Kylo Ren being uh, the eighth daddy of that crowd. Um, well, it's a big theme so, yeah. of, of all the star Wars. Cause I mean, Luke star was pretty... Wars millennials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, t- Luke was entitled when we first meet him in a new hope and he goes a different direction. Well, he was Wine. whiny. He was whiny. I wouldn't say he was. He was like a poor farm kid. He was he more was of a Gen a, X. Yeah, he was like Gen <laughs> X whiny uh, and has no hope of ever getting his galactic social security. Um, so Anakin's a millennial. Luke is, is a, a Gen Xer. And then Kylo is what? A, a Gen Z? <laughs> Anakin would be a boomer. Kylo's a boomer? <laughs> no, 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 no. Anakin's a boomer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then Obi Wan and Anakin are definitely boomers. First, remember? Well, I'm aware if they came naked- first, but I thought we were just talking about uh, the Aspersions Attitudinally, cast. not generationally. Oh, no, 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 no. I see. No, Anakin's the guy who was given literally everything and somehow found a way to screw it up. Ray, Ray and Finn are Gen Z. Yeah. Kylo is a millennial, yeah. for sure. Kylo is 100% <laughs> a millennial. Um, <laughs> I guess that's why uh, I like him so much. Gen X, no doubt, even though he's too old. <laughs> okay. Um, so now that we've gotten a thousand emails about that 10 minutes, <laughs> because nobody, um, nobody has an opinion on those things. No. Um, I think the only other thing, uh, I mean, obviously like who's in the boots, uh, if it's not Giancarlo Esposito, uh, that would be uh, a hard left turn to something Amy else. should have been cause she was the voice in puts and puss in boots. Aww. Um, oh but, God. uh, I, I, uh, uh, I, one thing I will say is like, they are pretty ruthless about only meeting characters one to one and a half times. You know, like they didn't immediately go assemble a crew uh, that included. Yeah. The then they killed allegedly maybe kill someone off. And and there's still that other guy, Nick Nolte, back on that other planet. We don't know the Navarro. I think we He's now spoken. know that. Yeah, he has spoken and he is off the episode um, or off the He's series. He's not speaking anymore. Yeah, yeah, I guess of the friendly characters, yeah, he's the one we've had the most because we had two episodes of him. Right. Yeah, only out of like necessity, like, but it's still only one. If you think about it, it was over two episodes, but it's like one story beat, and then they don't come back. And I, in a weird way, that's actually pretty true to life, right? Like, there are people that recur in your life. You have friends, whatever, but most of the people you meet and you interact with on the job, you don't always like run into again. It's very much like a yeah. postmates existence, I guess, but for killing. So, so really, the Mandalorian and the child—that's it. Yeah, that's all we, we can count on. Characters. Yeah. Oh, and um, the, we did get a uh, grieve, grieve Maximus or whatever his name is. Grief, uh, grief Cargo. Grief Cargo. Grief Cargo. Green <laughs> Cargo. Head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's another recurrer, and I guess the the Mandalorian, the underground Mandalorians count. So I guess I'm not really saying anything, but they're not stockpiling characters. Let's put it this way. Yeah, I, 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 I watched so many oh. interviews and uh, I think it was uh, freaking Pedro Pascal himself in one of the interviews said that like in 
referring to all the characters that they were putting together a crew, crew, quote unquote. So I was really expecting it. And it's like, well, no, IG-11 is dead. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like Gina Carano is going to come back. Has to. I would be very surprised. They definitely left that out there as a like, hey, you'll see her again. Uh, I don't know that we're going to see Fennec again. Mm. Uh, I mean, I was yeah. shocked if we see her again, but it doesn't feel like that's something that we're definitely going to see. And it doesn't appear to be. I mean, I don't know. She's Ming Na Wen is is uh, in the TV series Hot Streets <laughs> mm-hmm. and Agents of Shield. So she's you know she is working, but it doesn't feel like oh she's in this other thing that of course is taking up all her time. Maybe maybe that's why. So maybe they're just doing like a not as obvious uh, guest star um, yeah, yeah. route, like the way they used to do with uh, Fantasy Island and everything else. Makes the other sense. thing I, I've been noticing people uh, talking about is the child not speaking. And mm. people are starting to get hung up on like, well, if he's 50 years old, shouldn't he have some words? And I think he can speak. He just isn't. Oh, yes. I've the, heard uh, this uh, theory thrown around, and I don't agree yeah, with it. But. The Ken from Chicago, uh, uh, Yoda, Empire, uh, play Pretending on expectation. To be yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think we're going to hear a word out of the child at the end of the season. Mando. <laughs> So certain. I really hope we don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I do not subscribe to that theory. Um, well, I, I just you I, don't I, gotta I, subscribe. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm with. I take uh, IG 11's line of uh, different species age at different rates to heart. Meaning mm-hmm. it's just like that species, like because of Although, their. And- yeah, and, and that is the solution if he doesn't speak, because I, I don't think he has to speak. If he doesn't speak, people are like, but wait a minute, he's 50 and he can't speak, and then he's supposed to be like an old master by the time he's 800? I don't buy it. Like, mm, species age at different rates. Maybe they stay children very long and then mature super fast, right? Like, like, uh, like us. Like at 50 and at 100, he's fully adult. Yeah. I'm, that's that's like us. We turn 21 and we're adults all of a sudden, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it just happens magically. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 oh man, I don't want him to talk. I love him as this kind of adorable. Kind I of, want one word, like right at the end of the last episode. I just want him to continue just being. And, and it. it'll be in your head whether he's learned it or just been hiding his ability to speak the whole time. I just want him to be the, the, the gunslinger's version of the dog with force mm-hmm. powers. He's just a Joy. dog with force talk. powers. Dogs <laughs> can talk. <laughs> I mean, in Star Wars, yeah, I'm sure there's some kind of species of dog that can talk. And it was probably the extended universe. I'm sure it was thrown out. <laughs> like Chewy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so who do you think the mysterious figure is? Because uh, No, I, no clue. Yeah, I found it very odd that they were even obscuring the character. Because I have no idea who it is. <laughs> Well, the the one thing we haven't seen them fill is the role of the lead pursuer. Who is the man in black who is chasing the Mandalorian? Who Who is, like, yes, we know everyone's chasing the Mandalorian now, and we had that ineffective pilot at the very beginning of this episode that he made quick work of. Uh, but I I think we might be about to meet 
his real nemesis because he hasn't had a a full on nemesis throughout this entire run. Yeah, I, I it just it hasn't really been in my mind because I have just thought of it as like, yeah, everyone's after him. He's got a he's got a, a nemesis of the week. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I think we're about to get an arch nemesis. Yeah. I'm just saying I just thought that was it was just a little bizarre because I'm fairly certain it's Giancarlo Esposito's character. Like it's the only it thing that makes sense in my whoever head. Whoever that is. Yeah. And, and that would make a perfect person to play a nemesis for yeah. sure. And my thought is like, why not just show him? Why are we, why are we uh, playing coy with boots? Well, because there's also one more character it could be who was last seen on Tatooine who may have had a Darth Maul-esque escape from a fall. The cape is way too long and in perfect condition and the boots are not his boots. You think he didn't change boots? Yeah, and capes. <laughs> there are more than one boot and cape in the world. Just ask Lando Calrissian. Well, then I'm, 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 I'm unhappy with the very clean Imperial looking boots and capes that Boba yeah, Fett, who you were I'm alluding to, have, have swapped to. I, I think I, this I, is... I, my heart is with Jenny, but my brain is with yeah. Garrett on this one. My, my brain is also not with Jenny. I'm just, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm annoyed by the wasted effort to make me think it's Boba Fett because I'm just like that's not freaking Boba Fett this is dumb let's move on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know it's going to end up being Boba Fett and then I'm just going to have to spend the next episode complaining about how lame his new costume is yeah but uh, bringing Boba Fett is problematic too if people are yeah. upset with Tatooine man bringing back Boba Fett is going to make people scream I don't there, think there that's what you do casually. There will be a huge division. People that write articles will be mad about it, and fans will probably just be stoked, at least a certain section yeah. of, the, of the fandom. But, um, I mean, there was also an interview with Jon Favreau saying Boba Fett is not in the series, which yeah. he could yeah. be misleading and I don't us. think he is. Yeah, I don't think he is either. It would, it would just shift the weight of the entire show, I think, too far. Uh, mm -hmm. And frankly, I'm way more interested in the Mandalorian than I have ever been in Boba Fett. So yep. well, it'll stop being about the Mandalorian. That's right. For one. I think that's the problem right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of all, all of my thoughts, which isn't to say that, like because I want it. That's not the case. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think that would just be weird. So I just thought this it was just a little odd because I'm like, OK, Spurs. And I realized that Boba Fett had a Spurs sound effect in Empire when he walked around. But yeah. I don't, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying your, your little trick there, Dave Filoni. Just show me Giancarlo Esposito's face and let's move on. We've seen him in the trailer. We know he's got a cape. And he's a moth. So he would have spiffy boots. Okay. <laughs> the evidence is right in front of us, ladies and gentlemen. No, I, I, I like that he ended it with just some boots rather than, than showing us Giancarlo. That's, it's a stylistic choice. It's, it's not bad or good it's like oh we're just gonna hang up and, and and let you wonder who it is and figure it out and think about it until next week there's nothing wrong with that okay fair fair i, I don't know i historically don't love cliffhangers um so you're a cliffhanger averse i am cl cliffhanger averse yes i fell i, I, I fell off the walking dead because of cliffhanger <laughs> I was like, I'm done. You don't respect me as I thought you were going to say you actually fell off a cliff and therefore, you know, ever since then. <laughs> yeah, I fell off a cliff and ever since then, uh, no I haven't been able to watch Sylvester Stallone movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, overall, like, I think this might be my least favorite episode, but I still really enjoyed it. Like, it, I was taken out a couple times, but not to the level of every article I've read about the episode. <laughs> 
Um, oh gosh, no. Yeah. This, this is, this was a great episode. It may not be the best one, uh, or, or it may not be better than the others. I, I, I don't even know, but to me, it's so close. It's not even worth me trying to peg it down for myself anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, cause I, I saw, I saw a lot of, like, like I mentioned last week, a lot of my friends were like, Oh, it's really episode four felt like filler. And I really enjoyed episode four to me. This one, and it felt more like filler than anything else. But well, I think it, if, if there is a criticism, it's that, gosh, we're pretty far into this now. Uh, this this chapter is, you know, more than halfway through and we we don't really have an arc. It's, yes, it's definitely been, you know, monster of the week. And this week's monster was Fennec Shand. So I, while I didn't mind them going to the planet and just giving us a one off, I thought that was a bridge to and now we begin the new trilogy. Right. Because the five because considering the first three chapters, sort of a trilogy. Um, so I, I, I'm I wouldn't be shocked if we do start to pick up a new thread next week. And the idea was to have three in an arc two linkers and then finish with three in an arc. Cause it's only eight, right? Nine, I believe. Or, or is it eight? But I, if it's nine, then we might get another filler. Well, we can find out very quickly cause I'd have a linked here and it is only eight. My goodness. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I fully expect it then to start picking up with the next chapter in a new trilogy of, of an arc to finish us out. Yeah. yeah I certainly hope so. Cause you're right. Yeah. I was kind of in the same thing of like i was kind of expecting a larger revelation in this episode and instead it was just like yeah yeah had, had some fuel issues needed to get repairs have a uh yeah you're right the monster of the week thing um which i think toro was the monster of the week more than fennec yeah yeah you would make a good argument for that you're right it was uh, difficult to uh to to sit with but um yeah anyways we've got some emails we, we went into the inbox and uh figured we would we would pull some if you'd like to write in uh you can at feedback at let's talk about star wars.com and uh jenny you're usually the keeper of the emails you want to read what david miller sent in i suppose i would if i had the uh thing open which i don't okay well then i'll do it <laughs> david miller wrote in about the mandalorian's helmet and rifle at galaxy's edge and david writes uh, hello all. I was editing some of my photos from my California trip back in October and I noticed something in Doc Ondar's den of antiquities behind Doc over his right shoulder is the Mandalorian's helmet and rifle just hanging out for all to see. I wonder now that the show is live if they are still in that location or have they been moved? Also, just an FYI, Galaxy's Edge was not even on my radar until I started listening to you guys and one entire day of my trip was spent there because of you. So thank you for that. And by the way, some, uh, uh, wait, and by way of some mouse magic, I was actually given a cantina menu that made my trip. Aww. Thanks again. And may the force be with you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Uh, so I guess that would make sense that, you know, at the period between, what is it, between Last Jedi and, is that when Galaxy's Edge is? Between Last Jedi and, and Rise of Skywalker, right? Yes. Supposed to be, yes. Uh, that the Mandalorian's armor might no, no longer be in use and been acquired by Doc and R. So I would, I, I would expect it to still be there. Or maybe he gets a helmet upgrade and that's his old helmet. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Or maybe he finally takes his helmet off. That's how this entire series will end. Uh, prob maybe possibly at some sort of a uh, blue shrimp farm. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where he'll settle down blue milk blue shrimp i'm sensing a theme mm -hmm. <laughs> tom you want to take the next email 
Yeah, Steve says, you didn't talk about the ice cream maker, a.k.a. portable safe. Oh, and I agree with the fob question. How do those work? And yes, that moment outside the ship window was very Rocketeer, but it was even more Iron Man to Steve. If I'm not mistaken, that character was played by John Favreau, the, the character in The Mandalorian, who, by the way, of course, directed Iron Man. Ah, well, I mean, I would make the argument that Iron Man flies with his feet in his hands and the Rocketeer flies with a jetpack. So I stand by my Rocketeer. It was more Rocketeer than Iron Man. If it's got John Favreau inside, though, there's no reason it can't be both. Yeah. You know what it was, though, was a Vizsla connection, which I haven't talked about yet, which is like a deep Clone Wars dive. And I had this thought while watching and I, I even said out loud to Katie, I'm like, that sounds like what's his name? I can't I couldn't remember the character's name, but I'm like, it sounds like the, the head of Death Watch from Clone Wars. Turns out. The character's last name is Vizsla, and the character whose name I couldn't remember was pre-Vizsla. It was the head of Death Watch in the Mandalorian arc in the Clone Wars. Uh, Death Watch were the more traditional, you know, war-hungry Mandalorians that were basically working as a terrorist cell in Mandalore. And, you know, just straight up committing bombings and stuff like that. And the character that, like, I've been calling him the heavy, the the big, like, minigun-toting a Mandalorian that gets into a knife fight with our, our hero Mando um, is voiced by John Favreau and John Favreau voiced pre Vizsla. And if you actually go into the credits, the heavy Mandalorian is named Paz Vizsla. So is actually a descendant of the character pre Vizsla from the Clone Wars. Boom. Which is amazing. Nailed it. So speaking yeah. of things we didn't talk about, there was a live action loath cat and I oh, forgot right. to talk about it. Oh yeah, I forgot about it too, which uh I was joking because a couple of people tweeted it. I'm like, what were we gonna say besides ah loath cat? That's pretty much all we were really gonna say, unless you want to have That's a, enough a, for me. a deep uh, a deep conversation about uh domestication of uh animals in the Star Wars universe. I was just going to say, like, their propagation off of their core planet, um, where their ears look like the mountains. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then the ice cream maker was a really interesting thing. That it was, It's one of those things that you're like, how could any knowledge about the Empire Strikes Back possibly have escaped me all these years? And, like, even, like, a meme thing that people knew about and were always joking about. But... I did not know that, that there was a thing that people always laughed about. There was a guy running around with an ice cream maker when they were evacuating Cloud City. So have I you, missed um, the, you haven't been I missed to a, that. Have you ever been to a Star Wars celebration, Jenny? No. Okay. At, uh, every Star Wars celebration, there is a running of the hoods because the character in Empire Strikes Back that's running with the ice cream maker, of course, is named and his name is Wilro Hood. And one of the ah. things that happens is hundreds of people dress up in orange jumpsuits, put on bad fake mustaches and run around with ice cream makers. Well, I'll be. There was a thing about Star Wars. I didn't know. Yeah, um, it, it, I, it, it hit me and it was kind of like we were we were talking about our nitpicks in, in Chapter five. One of our nitpicks in Chapter three was that took me way the hell out of the episode when hmm. uh, what's his name pulls that out. I'm like. Oh God! It's the freaking it's the hood ice cream maker from Cloud City, my my lord. And then I immediately got over it because I loved when he twisted it, all the articulation of it opening up and showing the Beskar. I'm like, whatever, I can get over it because it's actually kind of a cool prop now, as opposed to a literal ice cream maker that someone's just carrying well, and around. That's, that's the, the best kind of retcon where they're like, yeah, you think this was an ice cream maker, but guess what? All this time it was this really cool articulated safe, and that's why he was running with it. Uh, I think that's. Really 
really great. And, and if you're like, yeah, but we all know it was really an ice cream maker. Well, okay. Uh, you can, you can continue to focus on that to your, your own detriment, but there are plenty of real world examples where you go back and look at photos and you're like, wait, is that person in the 1927 iPod in their hand? And then you do some you know digging and you find out that it's, it's not, it's a wood block toy, but in a particular picture, it shows up looking like, uh, like an iPod. That's how I now choose to see Will Rowe Hood. He's running with something that to our eyes looks like an ice cream maker, but now we know, of course, uh, something very important that you would want to take with you is, is going to be locked inside a, a safe like that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was very good. Uh, also, do we think we're going to see the dark saber? I forgot. That's another thing because the oh, dark saber. Yeah, yeah. The, the dark saber is introduced in the Clone Wars through uh, the Vizsla clan. So, I mean, eventually it ends up in the hands of Sabine and Rebels. But well, wouldn't she still I, have it in theory? Doesn't she pass it off to someone else at the end of Rebels? She does. I can't remember the character she passes it off to. Yeah, me either. Drawing a blank. But yeah, someone else Maybe. has it now. It's a Vizsla. It's uh, I think it's the other the other lady Mando that she was that that helped her out who was from Clone Wars. Sabine's sister. Was it Sabine's sister? Not Sabine. I'm sorry. Satine. Satine's sister. Yes. Yeah. That's who she passes it off to because Sabine knows she's not going to stay with the Mandalorian. She's going to continue with the ghost crew. And that's why she Mm -hmm. hands off the Darksaber. Because she's not going to continue, you know, fighting for her people and gives it to someone who who is going to. I feel like Darksaber is season two or later stuff. Yeah. When we get deeper into the Mandalorian lore, I think we're good. I keep wanting to make Mandalorian. I know. I keep making wanted to wanting to make that joke and I just (laughs) want to move on with my pun laden life. But yeah, it's um, God, it's it's good. It's, it's good, y'all. Thank you for your emails, by the way. Keep them coming. Feedback at let's talk about Star Wars dot com. And uh, we'll just bring on the next episode. This this one, this 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 was the first one that was like, not enough. I need more. I need more. I need the next episode now. And it was a lot of Star Wars. We watched this immediately after we, we did our Force Awakens rewatch on uh, on Friday. And OK, and I'm going to admit I'm going to miss something right now that I haven't told anyone. I watched this Friday afternoon before my wife got home and then pretended I hadn't watched it. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm a horrible person. I needed to get it off my chest. Nobody, nobody tell Eileen. Nobody. It's, your, your secret is safe with us and the thousands of people <laughs> listening, Tom. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're all, we're all going to keep a secret right here and now. Let's talk about Star Wars listeners. Um, anyways, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Before we go around the table, Jenny Josephson, where can everyone find your work? Um, you can find me on J-E-N-N-I-E-J-2-3 on Twitter. Tom Merritt. Well, uh, there's this uh, thing that was invented back in the 90s uh, called the World Wide Web. And if you use the hypertext transfer protocol, you can just type in my name, Tom Merritt, and then add a .com, and I'll take you to a website uh, that has all my stuff on it. Have you been practicing that? Because that's one of the most phenomenal ways to describe a web address I have heard in a very long time. No, I just made that up just now. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, what Tom said, uh, but do a A-M-O-V-E dot TV after that, and uh, you'll find all of my work over there just uh just launched a new project called wow killer you should go check that out if you like world of warcraft doing single topic episodes about things that involve world of warcraft so go nice check that out that's gonna wrap it up for this episode we will be back next week for chapter six of the mandalorian as we get 
dangerously close to The Rise of Skywalker as well. But until wow. next time, this is the way. I have spoken. I am tired. I will initiate self-destruct. Do not self-destruct! <laughs>